Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is Rum Buncher Radio, episode 35. Trey Yannity, Marty Leap with you. We welcome back Nick Caparoso after some time off. Nick, it's great to have you back. How have you been? Good, good. Thanks for, you know, welcoming me back. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I had to take some time off um, dealing with some personal stuff. So, you know, happy to be back and have, looking forward to a new year and looking forward to some up, exciting upcoming shows, actually. Yeah, definitely. We have a lot of great stuff coming your way. Um, some really cool guests coming on in this upcoming month and everything else. And you said it, Nick, it, it's going to be good to get this 2020 behind us, move on, move forward, hopefully to a more regular 2020, um, you know, a more regular baseball season uh, in this 2021 year. This holiday season, though, for Pittsburgh Pirates fans was also a little bit different as the rest of 2020 has been. Christmas Eve started as a normal day. You know, going uh, throughout your business, maybe doing some last minute holiday shopping. And if you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, you probably got a notification on your phone that Josh Bell had been traded to the Washington Nationals. It, you know, it was a little bit uh, shocking, right, to see it immediately. We knew this trade was possible. We knew that Josh Bell, um, you know, there was a high possibility he was going to be traded at some point this offseason or by the deadline of this upcoming season. At some point, um, that was definitely the idea, but it definitely takes you by surprise a little bit. The Pirates' most potent bat, um, uh, you know, an incredible first half of the 2019 season that got a lot of people, um, you know, woke to what Josh Bell can bring to the table and everything else. This trade comes right after the winter meetings. What are you guys' initial reactions to to Josh Bell headed to D.C.? We'll talk about the prospects coming in in just a minute, but what was your first thoughts as you saw the deal being made? You know, my first thought was, why, why is my phone going off so much? Why am I being woken up from my midday nap? And then, you know, after a while, I started to realize, okay, after about four or five buzzes, I realized, all right, something happened. Because I knew it was the Slack notifications going. I was not expecting to see that as Josh Bell. Uh, you know, I think the last time I was on the show, we talked about uh, the Josh Bell rumors. That was when the rumors emerged about the Yankees looking into him and you know at the time it was reported that oh the yankees were just doing background work basically you know just asking about everybody kind of thing here we are a couple weeks later josh bell gets moved um like you said i do wonder how much of that you know was actually true about teams looking at him especially during the winter meetings uh you know it sounds like this was something that was being ironed out over a couple of um probably since the winter meetings, right? I mean, that's probably when they started to talk about this possibility. Uh, overall, I'm not completely surprised. And like you said, there's a lot of layers to this whole thing that we're going to talk about. But um, I think given the position the Pirates were in, given the way Brian Hayes played last year, you know, one of the first basemen had to go. And what it came down to was Colin Moran. 
is trending upwards while Josh Bell is trending downwards, and Colin Moran's going to cost half the price of Josh Bell and is controlled for one more year. And, you know, there's only one position right now for them to play. So, you know, that's the thing. I think it was um, the, the timing comes because there's not going to be a DH this upcoming season. And, you know, defensively, Josh Bell did struggle enormously. How much is this defense going to change now? Like, Colin Moran's going to be your everyday first baseman. Um, you know, just wiping so many errors off the board that Josh Bell would would bring game in and game out. Yeah, I definitely think the first base defense will be better. I mean, not that Moran's, you know, he's not not Mark Grace over there or anything, but, you know, he was steady. He was more consistent. He was around a league average, a slightly below league average fielder at first base where Josh Bell was arguably the worst defensive first baseman in baseball. So I think that'll make a big difference at first base. Um you know, as for the moving of Bell himself, you know, like Nick, it kind of caught me by surprise as well. Um, we were at my in-laws on Christmas Eve, and I didn't have my phone in my pocket. It was laying on a counter somewhere or something. And I just happened to look down at my watch and saw that I had 20 notifications from the Run Runner Slack channel. I'm like, well, something happened. So that's when I went and looked and saw Bell was moved. But, uh, no, the, the Bell trade hasn't – it's – like Nick said, it didn't totally surprise me. Um, you kind of hinted this as well, Trey. Didn't necessarily expect him to be the first one to be moved, but it's not a stunner at all. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, the, on a personal note, though, the Bell trade was not received as well in my house. And I know if I don't mention this, I'll catch hell about it. But uh, Nick can also attest to how big of a fan of my wife is of Josh Bell. Um, our first like, official. Uh, believe me, my father had his Bell shirt on today too. Oh man! Yeah, my, my wife wore her Josh Bell jersey on Christmas. So, uh, but yeah. our our first official like date was when he hit that grand slam against the Cubs in his second career game. So that well, was always right. kind of been like a you know how a little 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 personal spot in the leap household. So we'll be sad to see him go. But now I'm with Nick. I mean, and we'll get into this more. But moving moving him definitely made a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. And as for the first base defense. With Moran, I expect it to be better next year. Yeah, and, and if I can touch on some of the stuff that Marty's talking about, you know, I the the defense thing is is the biggest thing. I was reading an article today um, by Keith Law on the Athletic, and he wrote about even in that 2019 year, Josh Bell was like worth like a I think 2.7 WAR player, and he said he actually lost like two points of WAR because of his defense alone. So that kind of gives you an idea just how poorly. I mean, if you pay attention to war, there's a big difference between a two and a half win player and a four plus one player, you know? Uh, So that kind of gives you an idea of just how bad defensively he was at first base, even when he was making up for it with his bat. Now, you know, in terms of Bell, you know, like you said, Marty, it, it is a little personal. We all love Josh Bell. We all remember that moment you talked about, like, you know, he was a guy we heard about for a long time, and he's one of the first prospects that I really covered uh, coming up through the minor leagues. He was second round pick, bonus, big bonus overdraft. Um, was supposed to be a first round pick, but decided that he put out a letter to all the colleges saying, um, I'm sorry, to all the teams saying that he was going to go to the University of Texas, where his mom was a teacher. You know, he had a, a long journey to the Pirates. And then, you know, the, the Pirates actually saddled up, gave him you know, a record-breaking second-round bonus. And, you know, from day one, people knew who Josh Bell was. And that's when the Pittsburgh Pirates fan base started to get excited 
about um, the the future of the organization. Um, Josh Bell, Garrett Cole, you had Ty on the year before. You had uh, at the time Luis Heredia was being signed, and you know so it's unfortunate that things didn't work out here. You know, much like they didn't for Garrett Cole either. I mean, for as much as they did, you know, they had their positives while they were here. At the end of the day, you know, we're gonna we're sending them off to another team, and hopefully the return works out. But yeah, uh, Josh Bell, it's it's gonna be it's. I think you know Marty, like you said, it's it's tough to see him go, but I think the timing was right. You know, and this was this is a name like you guys both hit on. This is a guy that. Everybody knew about this was your big bat in the lineup. This was, you know, the guy that sold jerseys that, uh, you know, that that kind of represented the Pirates in a way this season and, and last season as well. Let's talk about the timing a little bit more. You both hit on it. This wasn't the first guy that we expected to see get traded. And after a pretty quiet, you know, you know, silent um, trade deadline, I don't know if I saw this coming in the offseason. Winter meetings are over. Do you guys agree that that Josh Bell should have been first? That this move is the move that you know kind of really starts uh, some of these these big trades like Joe Musgrove and Adam Frazier? Um, I'm not necessarily going to say Josh Bell or anyone should have been first. The first player that should be moved is the first player that Ben Charrington felt like he was getting appropriate return for, and I'm going to guess Josh was that guy. Um, as for other trades, I think. You know, I think Musgrove goes. I think Frazier goes. If I was a betting man, I'd probably guess Musgrove goes first. I wouldn't be surprised to see Musgrove go sooner rather than later. Actually, Saturday evening, uh, my wife and I were over at Nick's place with he and his wife. And Nick and I got an email from a industry source of ours, a guy we know who works within the business, who said that he wouldn't be surprised to see Musgrove move within the next day or two. So by the time you're listening to this on Monday, Joe Musgrove may no longer be a pirate, and that wouldn't be shocking. But I do think Musgrove is next to go. I think Frazier will be not far behind. And then from there, I mean, I really think anybody not named Ryan Hayes, Mitch Keller, or Brian Reynolds is probably a fair game right now. I'm not saying the Pirates can have some massive fire sell or anything, but I do expect that after we see Musgrove and Frazier moved, they'll continue to have trade talks about Richard Rodriguez, about Chris Stratton, about Stephen Brawl. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a few other guys move, but – I will be very surprised if Musgrove and Frazier are still here when the season starts. Yeah, to touch on another part of this trade also, and you talked about the timing. Um, you know, I do wonder if this was something they were trying to get done before the holidays so they could take the holidays to maybe, like, you know, set up towards these ne- next trades. Um, you know, you, obviously in the baseball industry, um, if you follow the offseason, you know – uh, once kind of Christmas hits, the league offices shut down for a little bit and, you know, times kind of get, you know, a little slower. But, you know, that this might be an opportunity for Charrington to kind of now reevaluate, you know, what, what he's going to be looking for going forward. I also, though, think about the return and I think about the, the one pitcher, Will Crow, we got. He's a big league starter. He's big league ready. Charrington has already commented that he will have a chance at the rotation in 2021. You know, it's very interesting to me that, you know, a team who has a lot of starters who are supposedly in demand on the trade market uh, goes out and gets a starter uh, who's who they say is going to be plugged in the rotation right now when there's not necessarily a spot. So that's kind of why I'm thinking this Musgrove thing makes sense. Certainly. And, and let's let's go ahead and get into it. Let's talk about the return for this deal. Will Crow. 
and Eddie Yeen. Eddie Yeen, 19 years old, the bigger piece in this deal. Um, and, you know, the reaction on Twitter, the reaction by the fan base was mixed, uh, I would say, from from what I saw, at least. I like this deal, though, for a lot of reasons. You get Josh Bell at highest value right now when trading to the Nationals, and you get two really good young prospects. Talk about what you expect from Yeen and, and Crow and, you know, how much value the Pirates really got for Josh Bell. You, you hit the nail on the head. Eddie Yeen, he's the guy that really should be the focal point of this trade. You know, if you look at prospect lists – He's was the lower ranked one last year, but you know, he was also, he's just 19 years old. He's very much developing. Um, you know, I've seen, uh, him overall ranked as like a top 10 prospect in our updated system. So obviously there's a lot to be excited there. He possesses, you know, a power fastball that scouts are saying has hit up to 97 miles per hour. He has a slider that, you know, they believe right now already produces swings and misses and has potential to be better and a, a decent change up that should allow him to at least have a chance to start. Now, the key for him is that he's just 19 and, you know, right now Fangraphs has a 40 plus value grade on him and the expectation is that he'll jump up to a 45 future value grade next year. And, you know, just being 20 years old in June, you really got to like the trajectory this kid's on. And you really got to believe that he's going to potentially turn into, you know, a top five prospect in the system one day. Will Crow, what, give us the rundown on Will Crow and, and kind of how early we expect to see him. I know there was mention of him breaking into this starting rotation right away. Is that realistic for, for the other piece in this trade? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Crow got some big league time with the nationals last year, just a small cup of coffee, had poor results. But when you're pitching with a team like the nationals, you get called up, put into a situation on a high pressure team. That's looking to try to make the playoffs and you get such a small cup of coffee. It's often you're going to see some pretty bad stats. Now I'm not saying that crow is someone to get super excited about, but you know, I think nothing more than a back end of the rotation long guy. Uh, but he does have four a four pitch mix that all his pitches are considered to be at least average. He has a fastball that, you know, there's some reports that say he's can help the 96, but looking at a stat cat stat cast page, he only averaged 91 and a half on his fastball and sinker last year. So I think that's something to pay attention to this spring is to see where his velocity is at. In terms of overall expectations, I look at him as, you know, similar to kind of like Cody Ponce, um, yeah, I, not necessarily someone that you plan on building around, but a young arm that you definitely want to see what you have. And the best way to do that is to give him as many opportunities to, to pitch right now. And the pirates are a great organization to do that for young players right now. Yeah. One thing I'll add a little crow, um, from doing a little bit of digging on him, it seems like his curveball has the potential to be a pretty good pitch just based off spin rate. Um, both in the minors and in his short time in the majors. That's why they wanted him. Exactly. If, if there's one thing we've learned about Oscar Marine in his first calendar year here as pirate pitching coach, he loves curveball. So I, I do think that that is a big reason why, <clears throat> excuse me, they were interested in Crow in this trade. And also, like Nick said, I, I don't think it's coincidence that you hear about Joe Musgrove and Stephen Brawl and potentially James Tyone or Chad Cole being on the trading block, and all of a sudden the Pirates go out in the Josh Bell trade, add someone who can step right into the starting rotation. So I, I, I think that 
you know, the trade makes sense from that standpoint as well. But like Nick said, Eddie Yeen is definitely the – he's the key piece. He's the key figure in this trade. He He's the guy that, you know, Ben Charrington and his group are salivating over acquiring. Oh, and real quick, you know, Eddie Yeen's ETA is 2022. Uh, you know, so once again, another prospect that's fitting into that group that we keep talking about, that 2022-2023 range. You know, yeah. that Charrington's really investing in. Yeah, I mean, like we've said by then, you could have Cody Bolton in the rotation. You know, and now you throw Eddie Yeen in with Brendan Malone, Quinn, Quinn Priester, you know, Tanash oh, Thomas, oh, Carmen oh. Majenski. Man, there's they're, you know, honestly, whoever, assume they do add Kumar Rocker in the draft come the summertime, like by 2022 or 2023, you could be looking at a rotation full of just a couple of young studs here in Pittsburgh. Definitely the two pitchers you wanted to go get looking into the the Nationals organization, you know, the prospects available. These were the two guys um, the Pirates needed to get. But do you think the thought process was always go get two young pitchers? You know, were there any other players? Do you think that they maybe flirted with or was it always the idea? Go get two young arms. You know, this is that's an interesting question, Trey, because this is something that. You see a lot of people talking about it in a negative way, right? Like, oh boy, we traded another hitter for a couple pitchers. And one thing people need to remember, and Marty, I'm glad you kind of laid out how good this rotation could be in a couple years because you and me both know how there's a very much higher percent chance of that rotation never happening than there is happening. You know, obviously we got Tommy John, we have trades, we have guys who just don't work out, right? So... You know, I think that's what Charrington's trying to do. I think he's trying to acquire, yeah, he's trying to acquire the best players as he can, but I also think he's trying to acquire as many pitchers that have check those boxes that, like Marty said, the spin rates, okay, the, the plus breaking pitches, the power fastball, right? Because he knows that, you know, yeah, half these guys might not work out, but the more upside arms he gets, you know, in the long run, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, still better than a lot of what other teams have. I I think about the Mets. I think about, you know, Montero, who was supposed to be a big piece of their rotation, you know, five years ago when Matt Harvey was leading that rotation. Montero didn't work out, but they also had Jacob deGrom emerge. So who was at the time a prospect that was rated 10 to 15 in their system, not the top guy. And that's what I mean. The more arms you have, the more likely it is for those guys, you know, some of those guys to work out. The the key is, is that Ben Charrington is infusing arms back into this rotation, uh, back into this farm system. And before that, this system was very much lacking starting pitching of the top 30. I think their starting pitching was like 37% for top prospects in the top 30 list. Now it's up well up over 50%. Yeah, the one thing I was going to add there, Nick, you know, just to kind of build off what you said, like if you keep adding these guys, these you have a starting rotation prospect group like the Pirates have now, you know, you're looking at eight, nine, ten really good quality starting pitching prospects. You know, like you said, ultimately more prospects are going to fail than are going to hit. But if you're sitting on a crop like this and half of those guys hit or even 40% of those guys hit, you're looking at having a very good starting rotation. you got three good four starters and probably two or three good relievers. Exactly. Ten pitchers. The, the reliever thing is what I was going to say next too. I feel like a lot of people 
a lot of times overlooked, failed to realize, whatever it is, every good reliever was a failed starting pitcher. So just because you fail as a starter doesn't mean you can't contribute to major league level. So let's say, you know, you're like the Pirates, you have this group of nine or ten guys, four of them turn into, you know, above average league starting pitchers, and two or three of them turn into quality relievers, then you don't get burned by the other two or three that crash and burn and never work out. And that's why I love Charrington's approach of just continuing to add power arms and potential arms to this farm system. And I think he's taking a very steady approach to the hitters that he adds. Like, think about Nick Gonzalez, Mario. This was something we talked about the other night. He's a very high-floor hitter. Okay, you know that based off of his hit tool, what he's done at college, what he did in the Cape League, like there's a good chance that Nick Gonzalez is going to be a very good hitter in this league. Ben Charrington knows that, so Ben Charrington acquires him. Okay, he's not taking risky hitters that might not work out. It seems like he's looking at the hitters that he knows are going to be safer because he knows that if he's investing in pitchers, there's a better chance they aren't going to work out. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. I mean, like you said, you and I just talked a whole bunch about that over the weekend when we were together, how, you know, Nick Gonzalez, high floor, if nothing else, he's probably going to hit 300 with great speed. So even if the power never really develops, you're still looking at a very good hitter. You know, I feel like to an extent, a guy like Lovero Paguero is kind of in that same boat. Lots of speed, going to hit for a good average. If power never develops, he's still a quality major league player. And my biggest thing with all that, too, is, you know, in baseball – 99 times out of 100, great pitching is going to beat great hitting. So if you can build a team like Charrington seems like he's trying to do with what he's added to the farm system, and even with some of the things he's added to the major league roster, if you can build a team that's going to be strong up the middle on defense and strong with your pitching, you know, in the end, you're going to win a lot more games than you're going to lose. Even if you're struggling to score, if you're keeping the other team from scoring – you know, that's something we saw at the Pirates 2013 when they won 95 games. You know, it, it, your offense can struggle, but if your rotation and your bullpen and your defense are lights out, you're still going to win more games than you lose. And that seems to be the approach Charrington is taking to rebuilding this Pirate farm system. And we're seeing it pay off. I mean, you know, Fangraphs has this as the number four system in baseball. Now, obviously, you no know, Huntington added a lot of that. But the reason it got that high is because of guys Charrington has brought in rather be the Marte trade, rather be the draft, whatever it might be. So I, I just think that, you know, Ben is building this the right way in Pittsburgh. And the other thing we talked about was, you know, broadcasting to the future a little bit. The most expensive and hardest thing to acquire, whether it's the free agent market or on the trade market, is pitching. Relievers get ridiculous contracts every year on the free agent market. Every year it's like, you know, they're paying relievers more than we pay our hitters. Okay. Same with starters. Every year you have maybe, you know, one or two legit guys. Like this year we have Bauer, obviously, and the Pirates. Charrington probably never even made a phone call to to Trevor Bauer's office because why would he? He knows he's not going to be able to pay him. So, you know, they're never going to be able to go and get that quality pitcher on the free agent market. Now you talk about the trade market. Well, you know, we know what happens when you go out, what can happen when you go out and do that. You know, we sell Chris Archer. So it's a risk. So what's the best way to get starters is develop them yourselves. Okay. It's a lot easier to find hitters, you know, via the draft, via uh, the free agent market, because they don't get paid as much. Yes, the elite ones get paid big, 
but there's a much bigger market of hitters than there is pitchers. So you'll be able to find hitters to fill the holes if they can get the right hitters in the right places like Gonzalez, Paguero, Anil Cruz, etc. But pitchers, that's the key for the Pirates. That's the key for their farm system, and that's the key for Ben Sherrington's system to actually work. It's definitely been you know pitcher-heavy from the get-go, and it's been so fun to watch this reconstruction plan get underway and take place so far. And the trust that the organization has has been, has been great to watch as well because everybody believes in Ben Charrington, believes in this plan. It's on the way, but right now in Pittsburgh, there's still some lineup deficiencies in places. And obviously you take a, a big bat and Josh Bell out of the lineup. How do things change? What, what are we looking at for a potential 2021 lineup now that Josh Bell will not be a part of it? Um, I think, you know, there's still a lot to be settled with that 2021 lineup. Um, I mean, some things you know are said. You're gonna have Stallings behind the dish, Hayes a third, Miranda first, Brian Reynolds will be somewhere in the outfield. But um, I, I think if opening day were today, which obviously is really stretching things, I would assume we'd see Reynolds in left, Anthony Alford in center. I would say Gregory Polanco in right field, but he currently has a broken wrist, as we will get to. Um, Key Brian Hayes a third, probably Tucker and Newman up the middle, and then Miranda first, Stallings behind the dish. Um, I still think the Pirates could have the potential to have a pretty strong top three or four in their lineup next year. Uh, you know, you look, you're probably going to assume two through four in some fashion is going to be Cabrian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, and Colin Moran. You could definitely do a lot worse than that if, you know, Kevin Newman could kind of refine what he had in 2019. You could have a good leadoff man. So we'll see. Um Obviously, this team has ways to go. Their lineup's not going to be some big potent threat next year to score four or five runs a game or something like that. But you can see some building blocks there with Hayes, with Reynolds. Potentially, Moran could play his way into being a long-term answer here. But, yeah, I think that that's how we'll see things shake out. But, again, there's a lot of the offseason left to go. I think they're going to add some outfield help. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them add a platoon partner for Colin Moran health will be an issue but we'll, we'll see where things are at when we get to the spring marty has an article out right now examining how the josh bell trade impacts 2021 go check that out guys you can find it on the app on our social media rumbunter.com as well uh, some unfortunate news coming this week it was yesterday that gregory polanco has broken his wrist uh, in winter ball in the dominican republic this is this is just so sad to hear because you know we've talked about it so many times on this show, the impact that Gregory Polanco could make, you know, what what could be if he has a full healthy season. You know, we've seen it in the past. Um, this past season, it was a very weird one for Gregory with COVID and everything else. Um, but, but you know, th- this is just terrible news to hear. What's your guys' initial thoughts and how this affects the team moving forward? Um, man, it's, it's just tough with Polanco. I mean, it's – Anyone who listens to the show knows I'm your resident Gregory Planco fanboy, defender, whatever you want to call me. I still think he has so much untapped potential in that bat. But, it's man, it's one thing after another with the guy, and I feel awful because this is never his fault. You know, it's getting hit and breaking his wrist. You know, having a weird slide in the second base and blows his shoulder up and it looks like he finally turned a corner. He loses – it maybe the most important season of his career, 2020, he loses most of it to a uh, worldwide virus pandemic that he tested positive for. Like, it's just it, 
It's just remarkable to me how it just seems one thing after another constantly goes wrong for this guy in his career, and especially when it's someone who at one point in time was one of the top five to ten prospects in all of baseball and seemed to have just absolutely unlimited potential. Yeah, it's just another mark in his story as a Pittsburgh Pirate. It's just another one of those things that we've come to expect as Pittsburgh Pirate fans. But no, Marty, you're right. I mean, you know, we've talked on here before feel bad for the guy. It's one thing after another. Good news is it's supposed to be about four to six weeks and they don't expect it to really have any hindrance on him starting the year. So, you know, but stranger things have happened. We've seen how things can go with him. So hopefully he gets back. I don't, like you said, I don't expect any, the lineup to really be affected, but you know, we'll see. It's, you know, I think even with, with Gregory coming back, it, it changes things. Mentally, and, and he's battled through a lot, injuries, uh, you know, this pandemic, everything else. Um, but but what do the Pirates do moving forward with Gregory Polanco? Do we see him every day still? Uh, you know, is is this, it's a sticky contact situation. Is this going to be the last season we see Gregory Polanco with the Pirates is really what I'm getting at. Well, I think probably because he has an option for next season. So I think they'll look to to unload him if they can but even if they can't they'll probably look to decline his option then yeah i agree with that unless he comes out and you know if he comes out and has some big season where it warrants picking up the option odds then he has enough trade value to move him so he's probably gone regardless that's what i mean yeah, yeah. as as for 2021 um i don't think he plays every day um at this point it's pretty clear he's not ever going to be effective enough against left-handed pitching to play every day. But if he's healthy, I would assume he's out in right field against right-handers, against lefties. You know, maybe it's Philip Evans, maybe it's Jared Oliva, maybe it's someone they add between now and then. That's probably where I would lean is that whoever's in right field against lefties is probably not currently on this roster. But, yeah, it's just – I don't know. Like like we've said, there, there's nothing left to say at this point with Gregory Polanco. You know, it's he's going to – be remembered is never reaching his full potential in Pittsburgh. He's going to be remembered as a guy who never lived up to the hype. But like as we said, a lot of what has led to that has been things that have been out of his control. Sad story. You got to hope for the best for Gregory and, and his recovery. Um, as we get prepared for 2021, the Pirates still have some moves to be made, though. We expect, at least, we hinted on it a little bit earlier, Joe Musgrove, and Adam Frazier have Adam Frazier for much longer been on the trading block now for a little bit. Let's forecast some trades. There's there's articles out right now where we talk about some of those. Let's detail that a little bit, and um, you know, I guess kind of get a time frame on when we expect Joe Musgrove and Adam Frazier to be moved if the Pirates do decide to move them this offseason. It seems like the Yankees are a team that makes a lot of sense for Joe Musgrove. Um, they're a team that needs starting pitching. They're also a team that is trying to stay under the luxury tax threshold for next season. So Musgrove obviously being uh, a couple years left on arbitration control would be a very attractive trade ship for them, especially given the fact that you know there's the belief he has a lot of uh, upside and even the pirates believe they know that he's going to take a step forward. And that's why, you know, the expectation is for them to get a very nice return for him better than the bell return. Musgrove's really the, the, the big ticket the pirates have. So that's a trade that while, you know, we talked that it could be developing, you know, as we speak, um, I also don't want, 
Charrington to rush that deal. I, I really hope he he can get a return back that warrants you know excitement about the return for once. Uh, Frazier, same deal. Uh, I I think Frazier could be much like a Bell return. You're probably going to get a couple of couple of prospects back. Um, one's probably going to be younger for sure. That's going to project to have a very high ceiling like Eddie Ean kind of. Um, but I wouldn't expect anything that necessarily is going to, you know, grab the headlines for Adam Frazier. I think with Adam Frazier, um, you, you see a lot of the teams looking for second base help. Once again, the Yankees could possibly in that market, depending on what happens with LeMahieu. Um, you know, and I think just monitor his market more or less. You're, so I think the Frazier trade could definitely be based on a LeMahieu trade uh, or signing. And then teams that miss out on him, such as like the Mets. Uh, and also I've actually heard the Nationals are looking for second base help, but I'd be surprised to see them swing another trade this offseason. But yeah, any teams looking for second base help, definitely Adam Frazier could be a pivot if they can't get LeMahieu. And like you said, there's deals that need to happen to to set up some of these trades. And, you know, time will tell. Uh, but the Joe Musgrove deal could be happening very soon. If it does, we'll have an emergency episode this week breaking down that trade. Um, you know, the return, everything else similar to this episode. Same with Adam Frazier and, and really anybody else that has dealt this offseason or any other breaking news. But that is all the time that we have for this episode of Rum Bunter Radio. As always, guys, go check out the articles. There's so much out right now. It's been a big month so far. We're, we're excited for 2021 coming. You can find us on rumbunter.com, as always, on our social media. Go download the app. It's just Rumbunter on the App Store. You can find the articles and everything else there. Like I talked about earlier, we have some great episodes coming for you um, in these next few weeks. We're going to have some guests we've had on in the past come back on, maybe have a little roundtable and just kind of talk some things out with the prospects and, and some others as well. For Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Yannity. As always, you can find us on omni.com slash rumbunter, at fansided.com, on our social media, at rumbunter once again, and on the app, just under rumbunter. Have a great week, everybody. Let's go Bucks. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries, and with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. 
Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.